Hey, hey. Oh, hello. What's up? This is Ergo. Yes, it is. I am Damon. I am Kiss. And we are here doing what we do, reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more liberatory and creative. And Daniel, this one got some sizzle to it. This one has some, 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 some shine. You're feeling, uh, you're feeling pretty good over there, I can yeah, tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if it, you know, Hollywood has come to the South Side. The South Side <laughs> is front and center. I feel like my heritage is being honored. I'm like, I don't know. I need like Peli Peli, tribal, <laughs> ancestral, you know, a buck 50 hat and <laughs> six piece of mild sauce and lemon pepper right now. Like I am, I am feeling so seen. What has you feeling so seen, Dame? Who are our guests today? We have the creators and stars of the hit series Southside. We got Bashir and Sultan Safuddin and Diallo Riddle. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're both big fans of this incredible comedy that season three came out on December 8th on HBO Max. So if you haven't seen it before, definitely check that out. In addition to it being hilarious, a lot of Ergo alums sprinkled throughout, which we get into a little bit. Um, but what they've done is really, really special and at baseline, really, really fucking funny. And we were so honored to get a chance to talk to them about their work, about how they see their show in relation to the city, in relation to comedy overall, what their intentions were, what the impacts of the show have been, and kind of how it rings true for each of us. So, so appreciative of them for taking the time to talk with us in support of season three, which you should go check out now. So for those who don't know, my dad's a comedian. And so throughout the episode, I am shamelessly plugging my father. Before we get into that, <laughs> let's also shamelessly plug who we are. Daniel, give the folks the info. <laughs> Just a little reminder that you should subscribe to Ergo wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review us. Tell us some nice things. Tell us we sound funny. Tell us that we held our own with these amazingly brilliant people. Also, if you're looking specifically uh, for some of our conversations with comedians, uh, we do organize our episodes by suite, kind of thematically, and you can check out the LOL suite, which has all of our conversations with comics at our SoundCloud, and we'll also put the link to that in the show notes. He's at Ergo Kiss. I'm at Damon underscore AF, and we are everywhere at Ergo Radio. Follow us, hit us up, and with no further ado, the creators of Southside. Here we go. <laughs> I would love to ask this to people who've been doing a bunch of this type of, of like, is there one question that you're particularly tired of being asked and answering? Now that we're recording, no, all questions. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go for it, my friend. I'm tired, I'm tired of being asked about my friendship with Kanye. I am tired of hearing that all the time. Uh, That's good. We're Kanye now, so we can steer clear. Sorry, sir, the name is Ye now. Finally, finally. It's yeah. funny, we, we ironically just mentioned him casually, like Tim before we came on forgetting what was happening we were just talking about something we were like talking about like like bape and shit and like early and then we we're like and then oh yeah and, and then we are <laughs> but I, yeah. <laughs> I have a stupid question bape and a bathing ape same thing right it's absolutely the same yes. okay great all right yes yep 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 yep, yep. <sighs> it took me weeks to figure that out when i first saw that i was like I, which which is <laughs> you know I'm sorry yeah not a all not right. a common portmanteau you wouldn't yeah. think you know, those no. words don't get combined. Oh, shout out yeah, yeah, yeah. to the, the word portmanteau. Let's get it. And now you <laughs> yeah, know what was, you're doing. That was fine. Let's get this SAT, yeah. SAT now that, word going. Now that we've earned your respect. Let's get it going. In establishmentarianism. Let's talk about it. We're super silly <laughs> to have you here. Yeah. 
right, Dane, all this right. is a this is a you. Go ahead. Let's get it. In. All right. We are here. We are in full effect. We are grateful to to be on the line with some of the most amazing creators reshaping, I think, how people approach pop culture. We have the creators of Southside here. Blah, blah, blah. We got Bashir and Sultan Saludin and Diallo Riddle. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. And season three is on the way for Southside. This, I'll say it, masterpiece. Mm. Um, oh, okay. Uh, yes. I, I'm going to warn y'all. So we are big proponents here of gas. We gas people up. Y'all are deserving of a lot of gas and you will receive it. So just get prepared. But before we get to that, we have a tradition, a two-part question we like to start all our conversations with, centered around time. And mm-hmm. interpret time however you want. So yes, th- this t- <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm right with you. No. Nope. Yep. So in this time, whether that's imaginary, whether that's this hour, this day, <laughs> this season, this lifetime, but in this time, how is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world? Mm. Fellas. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go first. If somebody <laughs> said anything. Uh, the world is treating me very well. I'm very grateful right now. Um, we started this journey probably seven years ago maybe a little more maybe a little less and i'm still i'm sitting here talking about the premiere of our third season which is imminent i'm sitting here with uh my writing partner well school with my brother talking to you guys a lot of fun in chicago and we're talking about a show that is so personal and it's not necessarily personal because we graft narratives onto it it's actually personal because it represents the kind of comedy that we had always always wanted to watch that we felt like was sometimes there and sometimes not. People don't understand when they we first started trying to do this show, so much of what was happening in comedy was the dramedy, which is a form that is really, it, it takes a lot of skill and talent to do because you have to both make folks laugh and cry. I think for us, what we said is we really just want to do the laugh part of it. <laughs> and for a lot of Hollywood, that was bizarre. They were like, don't you want a comedy where at some point the main characters all like crying? I'm like, somebody else is doing that, so we should do this. Let's do the thing that that we don't see as much and the thing that we love, because one of the shows that is a real touch point for this show is The Simpsons, specifically uh, seasons three through eight. Uh, (laughs) uh, Don't don't play with my my, my Simpsonology, but I think (laughs) in as much we tried to. So the the answer to the question is I am feeling uh, grateful. You know, the world is treating me well and I am treating the world equally well. I think that's how that relationship is going right now. Mm. Uh, The world is showing me a lot of kindness and i am being a real jerk <laughs> I, I i could be doing much better <laughs> but you know le- learning is a process learning is a process and, uh, i'm still learning man i'm still changing i'm still evolving I'm still evolving brother <laughs> always always every day man i'm growing every day you know and just be a jerk in the meantime yeah yeah, yeah. Like but name it be, be, be your true self bro all right all right <laughs> It, it, it is time for the affirmation gas. I really want to thank y'all and I have an appreciation and an admiration. I think especially on a, on a pop culture scale, y'all have offered the most beautiful and honest portrayal of my home. Mm. I'm a third generation Southsider. Let's go. You know what it is. Most of my great grandparents came here. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also a child of black comedy. I might have 
peeped it from the name. My father is Damon Williams. And so the- The comedian? The comedian, In Chicago? Yes, from Chicago. So the way that y'all have- I thought he was going to show, but that's (laughs) Yeah, nah. We pulled the beta switch. Yeah, Yeah. nah. He loves y'all. He loves y'all. I I think he's going to slide on y'all later today. But but what you offer for Black comedy, for Black Southside comedy, just the amount of, of people that I know on every single episode- and the intricacy, the honesty, the love and humanizing portrayal that you are giving the world of my home is wow. something that I'm really grateful for. So thank you and congratulations for being so successful in that endeavor. And so that leading into to, to the first question of, I've heard y'all talk a lot about the hyper specificity and like the people being a part of creating the story of their space. But some of y'all's reference are so specific that <laughs> I can't imagine how somebody not from the city or even just from the South side could even understand or access when you bring in an Adriana Furs or when you ask, <laughs> or, or if you ask a light skinned girl if she was from Kenwood because she had bougie, right? Like, uh, and you don't, you don't even take the time to, un, to unpack that for an audience who don't understand those references. So we, we, we qu- don't believe in explaining the yeah. humor. It's like yeah. you either get it or you don't. So have you ever been surprised at somebody getting something that they wouldn't theoretically have? Like, you know, most of the people watching this aren't from the South Side of Chicago. Have you ever been surprised by people being able to catch something that's theoretically uncatchable? You know, I think I'm more surprised, not surprised, but I'm really, I'm really very happy with the number of people who go like, hey, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, I've never even been to Chicago. And this is my favorite show. In fact, what we would learn you know, back in the day when we first started Comedy Central, it was like, outside of Chicago, our second biggest uh, audience was North Carolina. And shout out to them for having such a great sense of humor. Obviously, they they like good comedy. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, it's interesting. I, I think what we do is, even though we're very specific, the, the context clues are there so that everybody can join the fun. So even though she's talking about Adriana Furs, even if you don't know what that is, you know you know what a fur coat place is, and you know that there's some urban. And if you're from Atlanta, you've probably seen local fur, you know, coat commercials in your hometown. Right. Um, you, know, you talk about the school where all the bougie girls go. <laughs> Y'all literally went to that high school in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, high school. High school. <laughs> so when you say, "Oh, that's the bougie girl school," even though you might not know Kenwood per se, you definitely will be able to say, you know, in my hometown, it's called Maze. And so I think, as we always laugh about the South Side verse, whether you're from the South Side of Chicago. Uh, South Philly, South Bronx, Southwest Atlanta. <laughs> there are so many things that 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 overlap in your experience, though they have different names. Uh, and I think in some ways that helps it be more universal because it's like, this is specific to me. Their specific thing is called this. Our specific thing is called that. But I understand what they're saying. And, then, and also, you know, they're still laughing at it. One joke that really resonated and I heard a lot of is the one where the Italian fiesta joke. <laughs> it's like those two words don't go together. I never would have thought time. of that. that and that's I was like, hilarious. yeah, you're right. But it's like the pizza spot. So yeah. that's the oh, one right there. You need somebody from outside to say that because just growing up, I know. <laughs> you didn't never register with you, right? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna give you some time. Yes, no way, man. Hey. <laughs> and you go in there and it's it's somebody from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. But inter- you yeah, know, interesting. That that idea actually came from a buddy of mine who was visiting Chicago. We were hanging out, and he was like, "Them two words don't go together." <laughs> but you know what's funny is like that 
role in some way is actually one of the things Diallo brings to the table because he's not from the South side. So the same An outsider's not, perspective. <laughs> yeah. Like when I visit Atlanta, I see stuff that he has taken for granted and vice versa. Basically your friend was like, you, you lived in the Soviet union. Yeah. <laughs> he, he came to visit you and he was like, Wait, y'all don't vote over here? Like, ah. <laughs> just you spell vote. <laughs> so speaking of voting, and what do you mean vote? <laughs> speaking of, of voting and, vote, and being an outsider, <laughs> mm-hmm. Diallo, you you play somebody who's running for ultimate for the fifty first ward, <laughs> which idiot. is hilarious, right? Yeah, and it feels yeah. so real and so connected to just the ridiculousness of what our city council has been. And so how much of that, how much of that is universal and just like, you know, local politics be fucked up everywhere versus like, did you actually get into some of the like aldermanic wars or what goes on here? We, we try, we try, you know, one of our, one of our very good friends is a contributor on one of the cable news networks. And uh, she usually gets to go on and she actually is a professor of urban planning. And she says that very few shows (laughs) take, you know, storylines that really do involve urban planning. And like, we did a whole thing about, you know, fracking mm-hmm. last yep. season. Like <laughs> we, 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 we tackle some real subjects. We just try to do it in a funny way. And I think that's because we want to show every level of, you know, the South side and, and Chicago writ, writ large, because whether you're a character who's just trying to pay the bills or, you know, you're Alan Gale, who's part of the problem, you know, like, I think mm-hmm. that we try to, we try to come at the culture from every possible <laughs> Endpoint. Yeah. I always bring up Coming to America because that movie had some rich black people, some poor black people, some smart black people, some dumb black people. Like it was so many different types of black people. And and one thing that is sort of our driving force creatively is this idea that there's no one black experience. And I think that if you look at our cast and the characters that they play, you'll see that there aren't even just one type of black police officer because Goodnight is very different than Officer Turner. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we try and show as many different types of black people as possible and non-black people, you know, like there was, there was one scene this season. I was like, man, the white people have taken over the show. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about it, but you know, that's outside getting gentrified. Two minutes of just a lot of our white characters talking together. I was like, this show's really diverse. So <laughs> shout out to us. Yeah, it is. <laughs> The Hyde Park episode. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so you you mentioned it, and I was I was gonna wait, but but just to give y'all a little context. I'm, I'm curious, Bashir, for you. Yeah. Um. You know, Diallo said all black offices aren't the same. Yeah. Which is which is true, but then in a greater sense, they also kind of are. Um. <laughs> and so, just to give a little context of of who we are, right? Like we we say culture and, and media. So you know, I'm an actor. Have my father's a comedian. So I've rapper, you know, all the things in the culture space, but a, a true base of our show is is liberatory movement and Black liberation movement. And so we have been connected to participating in and documenting the forefront of resistance to police violence. Mm. Um, and so I just gave you that context for the sense of, I really actually You in trouble, good night. No, 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 no. no, no <laughs> I appreciate you cops so much, Michelle? No, 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 no. no. That's, not what, that, that's not what I see from it, especially as the show develops. I see it actually... As a as a counter propaganda in a sense, mm. right? Like usually when you tell a story about about black folks, they got to be the cops in it, and the story is coming through the cops' perspective. Mm, yeah. But the cops look stupid in this show, right? And so, what was the journey of one choosing yourself to be the corny, whack ass cop, and then is there commentary? Yeah, let's talk about it because this is such a good question. Yeah. I haven't really been asked before this this current season, 
to be honest, you know, it was more of a like, let's make a show about the community in the South Side. Well, who is in that community? Well, we have the RTO workers. We have our people who are obsessed with science. We have teachers, but we also do have cops in that community. How do we represent them? So Todd and I have police officers in our family. So we kind of grew up with that perspective from them. But ultimately, like my Auntie Nuki was my Auntie Nuki first. And then <laughs> right. it was like she was the cop. But like that's Auntie Nuki. You know, what I'm saying? and that sort of realness is the thing that I was able to latch on to that we're able to latch on to because she's still herself, much like character, uh, Officer Turner, a product of the South Side. I would say the other part of that for us, and it's, you kind of touched on it, we, like we don't do wish fulfillment. Like there's really no good guys and bad guys on our show. I, I often think of our show as like it's a bunch of motherfuckers dealing with circumstances. <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. try to play those as honestly as possible. But specifically to the character of Officer Goodnight, I actually, that character has a bit of more origination than people would know. About 20 years ago, when I was in my broke days, I wrote <laughs> uh, I wrote this short film called Officer Goodnight. And it was about this Yale-trained actor who would impersonate asshole cops in order to like, this is so stupid, but he would do it in order to like help people out, right? So he had this, 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 this that's really hard to explain as a short film. You know, short films have no budgets and, and the scripts are always what they are. So take that, take this with a grain of salt. But anyway, I played this character. And for me, I had so much fun playing out of touch jerk cop that when it came time to figure out well, what is, what's the police presence going to be on the South Side, I immediately was like, oh my God, I got to do Officer Goodnight. And I also feel like as an actor, I'm comfortable with that. I like sort of putting myself through the ringer. I like as an actor being able to play the part of the guy who's kind of the butt of the joke, who doesn't get it, who 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 is as in some ways small as the other characters. He really hates this place. He doesn't want to be here. You know, I do think one thing we've leaned away from is this idea that there are certain professions and people who are inherently noble. I think that's something that is not human. No, all our characters are human beings. So there are times when just trying to play the humanity, it actually makes that character somewhat where people go like, that. I'm sympathetic. And, and um, one of my favorite comments I've ever gotten is people on the street being like, man, I can't believe you got me laughing at 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I was skeptical at first. <laughs> but again, I think it's what you said. I, I really think when people watch show, they don't see us trying to push this idea of a certain type of thing. It's more like, these are funny characters. And then my wife, Chandra, she plays a different type. She plays the one who like, Whenever I'm on the South Side and I see like a cop whose hair is laid and she's in the car and I'm like, that's really only in Chicago that you see that shit. You don't see it in, in other cities. <laughs> and so she's leaning into that one. And, and I would actually say some time, I feel like Chandra is more close to, uh, to, to Auntie Nuki than any other character. She's that sort of real South Side girl who just happens to do that job. <laughs> and that is the, the feel you get from it is like to, to the point of it's people reacting to circumstances and then figuring out their way through Um in in playing that role, or and this could be for for other roles too. Like, is there anything cathartic as writers and performers of getting to like show the absurdity of these social positions? Basically, for me, I find catharsis in getting. This is going to sound so whack. I, I find. <laughs> I gave you. I gave you a whack pretentious question. I know, but, no, like, but go for it, bro. I'm gonna be real with you. Like, I, I find catharsis in just getting to be to be silly and funny. And like, well, for example, season one, there was this idea we had where I'm really, I really want this kid to get a. <laughs> To get a pair of pair of shoes, so I want I really want to I really want him to go to the store. So I physically take him and I throw him into the store. Great came down, and he 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 smashes he smashes into the grate. And then me and my partner look at each other, we just run away. And I was like, that shit just felt so it felt so real to me. I was like, that feels like what would happen, and it's just so stupid. And I do think 
the minute we look at something and we like nod our heads and go, mm, that's a good point, then that's that shit's whack. Then we do we're doing the wrong thing. The minute we look at it and go, that is the dumbest thing that could have happened. <laughs> then we go, okay, that that feels right. That feels right. That's what we should have been doing. One of the things that I love about the show is the lack of like redemption arcs in that way the lack mm. of ascen- ascension stories this isn't you know the story of someone making it to some different yeah. plateau <laughs> oh no simon is not gonna be rich and famous they're not even really like get rich quick schemes you know what no. i mean they're like get through today quick schemes <laughs> that's right you know, that's so chicago what you just said i'm really happy you said i just want to quickly say hustle man the art of the hustle you know, in Chicago, I don't care if you're a lawyer, a teacher, a doctor. I feel like everybody's got a side hustle. Everybody makes oils on the side or they make T-shirts. They got a T-shirt company. Or they sell socks on the L. They sell yeah. socks on the L. But you, you'll meet a lawyer who's like, oh, I also do a photo booth business and I'm doing my photo <laughs> So that is really one of the central tenets of our show is that everybody's got a side hustle. Because in my moving through Chicago, that's my experience. I don't care what job title they have. They got this other thing they're doing. That, that's the real thing. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, it's not to get rich. It's to make it to the next day. Totally. It's to make it to it's to get the baby girl some shoes, as I did in one episode. It's to make those everyday things happen. And I think that is what grounds uh, Simon as a character because he knows that as many plans as he comes up with, they only have so long to live before he has to come up with another one. I don't think people really understand. Like we first started doing the show, we had to tell Comedy Central. We like, we're like, hey, in our world, fifty dollars is a lot of money. You know, I know in LA that's that's nothing. Yeah. But when you work at Renner Center, like, you know, fifty dollars is like legit important. And and I think that's something that it's like it's do some like shit for fifty dollars. It's almost like speaking a foreign language when you try to tell somebody that no, no. Th- here's another example. We in our in our first episode, Simon and Kay go to a strip club house. We shot that on Ogden Park in Inglewood. Do you realize that one of the actors in that scene was like, bruh, it's a real strip club house two blocks from here. And he showed me me the page. And I was like, are you serious? But that's where it came from. Like, there are really houses on the south side. Hey, don't tell anybody, guys. Don't snitch. There's really houses on the south side. Where you go but in, here, they're, they're recording club. It's you're like, oh, this. but that's that's we so didn't give locations. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right, but don't, but don't tell nobody, y'all. So to to that point of like, there's there is an ear to the street type of thing that y'all, yeah. that y'all have. what's the like methodology of research? Because I'm, are y'all just that plugged in? Y'all got that many cousins, or like, oh, writers, how, how, man. How, how are you building your room? To to be that connected? Yeah, the room is full of people from Chicago. I always, like I said, I'm. I'm I'm always bringing an outsider's perspective, but almost every single person in that room, with the exception of me and uh, Michael Blyden, are, are not just from Chicago. Almost everybody's from the south side of Chicago. So the research is done. You know, people have been living the research their whole life. And so that's why they bring those experiences into that room. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's even an accident that there are so many Salahuddin's on the show, because I think that apart from just being a super talented family, everybody's from Chicago and make us laugh. And it's like, why are we going to go hire a bunch of Hollywood people who are not from here? What, you know, let's use the family, let's use the friends and let's tap into that community of theater actors that Chicago has, you know, so many of, and they don't often get the chance to show off their abilities. Well, now we've got the Ronald Connors, you know, we've got the, uh, we got the Antoine McKay's, we got, all these wonderful actors who come through and uh, uh you had Ronald J. Parsons, I think. In the, in the yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Lisa Beasley, you know, very talented oh, uh, yeah, stand up so comedian who, who comes back, you know, one time she's working at Harold's yeah. chicken. 
Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see her, she's getting pulled over by Officer Goodnight. Like, yeah, y'all do that. Populate, <laughs> <Y'all> <laughs> populate the show. Yeah. yeah. And so you start to feel like, oh, that's just a person who's like on the periphery of our core group. Uh, but that's where we that's where we have so much fun with it. To that point and kind of building this world of the show that in so many ways lines up with the world of reality. What do you feel exists in the world of the show that doesn't exist in reality and maybe vice versa? Like, is there anything that y'all are omitting or making sure is in there that doesn't exist as much in real life? Believe it or not, there's so many things in our show that are stranger than fiction. We had an episode last season. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know what it is? It's funny. It's it's so weird to be a hard comedy. And yet so many Chicagoans have told us directly that we are, you know, and everybody has their favorite shows, but there are many people for we are their favorite Chicago show. And from we are their, their most authentic, whatever that means to yeah. them. Uh, but you know, it's, it's interesting as we, you know, as we set out to make this TV show, my mother, who's on the show often, she's a real school teacher in Chicago, and she showed me this flyer for somebody's like uh, a cousin or something. And she was like, look at this. She's like, what do you think this is? I was like, oh, it's a party flyer. Somebody's having a party. She's like, look more closely. It was a funeral announcement. But it was like airbrush, spray painted dude on the front, like. Are oh, you talking about Shake? I'm talking about yeah. Shake Williams. So Shake, baby. We were, we were talking about that. We were like, "Yo, <laughs> people think this is fake. We're literally copying actual reality." And then what's funny is after we did that episode and it came out, then all these videos started popping up online of actual people who were dead at their own after party after their own funeral, <laughs> and like, some of the comments under the videos like, "Oh my God, they saw Southside and did it," and I'm like, actually. <laughs> Southside saw the reality and then we just said, but you know what's hard really quickly I'll say about that? What's really hard is that sometimes when you deal with with Hollywood, uh, it, it, there's, there's a bit of a bubble there. They think things are ungrounded Yep, that are grounded. I was just about, we're, we're so on the same page, man. Yeah. I was just about to say, shout out to HBO Max. They've been great partners in this show because, and it's, it's so bittersweet. As I said, I'm from Atlanta. We wanted to do some of these ideas so long ago. We wrote an entire episode for our Atlanta show that took place in a funeral. And there was a thing about the phone being locked. And, and we we did all that stuff. And we had so much kickback from the execs that we were working with back in those times. Like Every time we'd write something that was based on reality, we did a whole thing that took place in an Atlanta strip club and how you can pay the DJ to play your song right when Young Jeezy, you know, sits down. You know what I mean? Like, and and we would always get pushback like, Guys, is this grounded? Does this really happen? Like, and when you're explaining the funny, you're never winning, which is another reason why we never go back and explain a joke or a reference. You just have to be on board and maybe you got to watch it two or three times before you're like, what is, you know, that thing that they made a reference to? And and so I just say all that just to say that sometimes there are people who are trying to bring the culture out in these TV shows and you hit unexpected roadblocks like you know, Hollywood executives who, who kind of stop you and, and kind of block your progress. And I just think that this show is special in part because we don't get notes from HBO Max saying, well, is a funeral that's more like a nightclub night. Is that a real thing? We They don't come at us. Like yeah. That. And yeah. it's so refreshing that we have not had to have those conversations. Spike opening a clinic, you know, it's like, is it, would, would somebody really open a clinic? It's like, there's a guy who did it in Florida, in the news. Yeah, and so sure not, you know, so it's one of these things where you kind of want to be like, you, you got to trust us. That we're writing <laughs> Sometimes we have the article, we have the, a link to the article ready to fire off. Just because <laughs> yeah. 
we've been hurt in the past. (laughs) (laughs) But to tell people that what happens in in their lives and the lives of people they know isn't grounded in reality. It's like, no, not in your reality. (laughs) Right. And they'll be like, write what you know. And then they'll be like, I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Get out of the way, y'all. Specifically with that example, as it relates to the funeral home, I remember us being in the writer room and you guys even mentioned something about like, look, they're going to say it's not grounded. And we pulled up videos of a dude on a motorcycle, another guy who was like uh, buried in his car. They would, all these things were real. So I think, shouts out to the uh, showrunners and the, and, the, and the EPs on Southside. They will back you if you can support what you're talking about. And there was proof for all of these things and they were very grounded. I just wanted to add that point in as well. Mm, totally. I'm curious, is there, and I don't want this to be like, kind of a, a contrived question, but I'm curious if the inverse is ever true of if you ever reached to a thing of like, ah, I don't want everybody to have access to this very unique specificity, right? Like kind of the old Chappellian, you know, oh, yeah. Comedy Central the trope of like, they don't, yeah, la- I don't want them to laugh with us on this one. Does that ever come up or y'all are silly? So I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so because I feel like that would be us thinking about things from sort of 30,000 feet. And we actually really start everything on the ground level. In in fact, I'll I'll give you a specific example. You know, for the most part, we don't really know where our stories are going to go until we tell them. We just, we really try to challenge ourselves to to, to kind of tell stories as authentically as we can to never go past the what happens next. You know, I think our storytelling is actually somewhat underrated. I think people in some ways, oh, you guys are mostly just a sketch comedy show with, with very loose story tendrils and i'm like that's that's no we put we 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 spent hours we spent hours agonizing over character motivation really quickly we did an episode one of my favorite episodes last season i will not say the celebrity's name but at the end of the episode we had this joke about a celebrity and it was so funny that every time we said it everybody died laughing the network died but we of our own accord cut it the reason we cut it is because we said we don't want to have this whole amazing funny ass episode be reduced down to all this whole episode is is aimed at just attacking this one person. The episode was funny without that. And we got rid of it and people are never going to see it. And for me, it was so freeing because it almost felt disrespectful to all the hours we spent making it and shooting it and writing it and coming up with it, that it could be reduced to the whole thing is really just an attack piece. And I was like, gross. It really is us asking ourselves in the writer room, like what's the funniest thing that can happen? And oftentimes it's not to wade later down the road that we look at something and go, you know what? This whole thing is having a point of view that we didn't expect it to have. So let's let's take some of that out because that's not the intention. Sometimes you got to make it first and then you look at it afterwards and realize the power of it. But for the most part, most of the time, uh, uh, we're very aware of the funny journey we're taking folks on. And we love the twists and turns that the audience experiences along the way. That's beautiful. So, so Tom, I, I'm curious about like some of the rubrics of, of your decision makings with your character and how much you're embedded in the writing of it because it's so interesting. You, you name him like he kind of don't know what's going on or he's just getting to the next day and, you know, it's generally just like kind of fucked up out here. But there's an intelligence to the character of that's not normal for like the broke everyday dude. And there's also like a, a vulnerability in relationship, whether it's with family or like he has this big homie best friend that like he's very vulnerable. So like, I'm curious. Yeah, I think feel like the rubric of how are those choices made of this very intelligent, vulnerable, but like down and out fucked up dude. <laughs> well, I argue that um, there are there are real friends of mine and people that live on the south side that are exactly like that. Underneath this fubu is a guru kind yeah. of mentality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. on the verge of writing a book. <laughs> yeah, I have many friends that 
you know, made some questionable decisions, but they are smart as a whip. You know what I mean? They're either good at finance or technology or science or what have you, or a mechanic. And for whatever reason, they made whatever decisions that they've made and they ended up where they are. I also think for this character right here, like he has a, a he has a no quit attitude. You know what I mean? Like he realizes that, you know, uh, there are some decisions he could have made that have been better in the past. But life isn't over and life can continue to get better. And I think underneath all of that, all of the hustle and all of the jokes and all of the, 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 the swanky attitude at times, really what he wants to do is provide a better life for himself and his family. And that's something that you don't see a lot. You know, there are guys out here who have more than one child by more than one woman, but they're also out here taking care of each one of those children. And that is not something that you see on, on the news or, or, or any show all the time. So I think the element that he is a good father, the element that he is still maintaining a job and trying to work. It may not look like, you know, Wall Street, but it's the same principles. He's still trying to do the same thing, but in his own way. And he's, he, he keeps it true to himself. He doesn't try to go too far or, or, or play himself too low, but he's right where Simon needs to be. And he's a very smart guy. Yeah. And it goes to what you said earlier about the um, all those things are true. And he's responding to the particular circumstances of the world around him. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? In many, let's say, lower income black neighborhoods, there's always a the guy in the neighborhood who does everybody's taxes. Right. That's the thing that you never see on TV. But this and he's usually really smart. And you kind of want to like, why are you living in your grandma's basement and <laughs> working here? And and we don't know the particular things that have led his life to be manifest that way. Yeah. But at the same time, when it's time to do taxes, that's who mama's calling. When it's time to get baby into college and, and make it look like people, you know, <laughs> make sure the scholarship numbers is right. You know, that's the guy who does the taxes. And so I feel like th- those people exist. Right. Then there's a the car guy. Right. There's a guy who. Don't know how much schooling he had, but he can fix a car. You drive in front of his house, you leave it, you come back, that car is running. And we have those intelligences. They just aren't traditional. They're certainly not supported, and they're Mm -hmm. deeply underpaid. But they exist all over Mm low-income Black Americans. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have like a a meta question about how it feels for y'all moving through the world and like what y'all demonstrate is that there's not like a, a binary a dichotomy between like brilliance, intellect, and like silliness and absurdity. Hey, this brother's <laughs> using too many college words. Somebody else. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bad word back. No, yeah, you know, but, no. but like, yeah, shit, shit can be silly and smart at the same time. And I wonder, I wonder how, like, do y'all ever have to establish a boundary in that? Because usually when, when black media shows an awareness, there's like then a demand to become sociologists, right? Like, you know, like you think about Quinta and like people asking her to talk about everything that happens in a school or talk about school right. shootings. And she has to like have that boundary. Like y'all are, are so beautifully portraying this place that's redlined and has been studied. And, you know, there's all these commentaries. Do y'all enjoy that or lean into that and like want to show that side of your thinking? Or do you want to also hold that boundary and say, we are making a comedy and we are just talking about the beauty of like laughing through life. Like how, how do y'all navigate? I'm sure that pressure that might come your way. Wow. That's a good question. Really good question. I think that we absolutely try to make just a funny comedy. Now, <laughs> if there are, if there are intelligences, core competency that people want us to talk about, you know, I think that each individual person, we all grown folks, if folks want to, whatever they want to do, they can do. When we're in the writer room though, I think our mission is quite simple. It's, it's, and it's quite agendaless. I think it is in some ways revolutionary to be a show that can be hard, funny for a half hour. I think that's revolutionary. I think it's hard to do. 
I think it takes a lot of energy. I think it takes a lot of people all working together. And I think we pull it off. Outside but of I, that. But I, well, well, go go ahead. Ahead. Because I actually think that almost despite ourselves, like I, I think our mission is always to be funny, but we are people who are aware of what's going on in the world. Yeah, totally. Those apples can't fall far from the tree. I mean, like, it's not an accident that our show did a really in the weeds episode about crypto before everybody knew what mm-hmm. crypto was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that that has a lot to do with Michael Blyden, uh, who is one of the EPs of the show. You know, he was really into it, and I think that we bring our intelligence almost by accident to the kind of stories that we want to tell. So, in other words, we didn't say, "Hey, we really need to do an episode about crypto that explains crypto." I I, I would actually say that we didn't say, hey, we need to do an episode about Kwanzaa that really goes deep into the principles <laughs> no. of Kwanzaa. You know, I think that it's just because we are the people who we are. Yeah. And and that we're aware of the things that we're aware of, that we think things are funny. It's a matter of having, being aware of stuff. And, and, and I always say that you have to know something about something to find something funny about it. Does that make sense? So, you know, if, if we had different interests, we would make jokes about different stuff. But the fact is, is that because we have the interest that we have, that's why people are like, oh, well, it's smart comedy. I think it's just comedy. It, it, you know, I always said The Simpsons is, is really silly comedy for smart people. But that's just because the guys who write it, <laughs> you know, are, are want to make jokes about monorails. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's where it all comes down. You know, it's interesting, Diallo, to what you said. That I, I remember where that episode kind of came from. It actually came from a pitch Diallo had where he was like, what if, in the season finale of season one, everybody wins the lottery. Now we've seen we've seen sitcoms where somebody gets rich, and obviously for an audience, you know they're not going to stay rich because otherwise the TV show goes away, right? If Al Bundy right. gets rich, that's the end of Married with Children. <laughs> he's divorcing Peg. He's moving on. He's, he's moving to a nice house. Uh, but then we said, well, we, you know, but again, the, now the the devil's in the details because we go, well, we don't want to just do a lottery win. What's the specific? And then Blyden's like, ah, what if it's a crypto lottery win? What's beautiful about it is that we find a way to put it all together, and as Diallo just excellently explained the things you see are usually one writer in that room has an incredible passion about something and is an expert on it and that is sometimes something that we'll lean into for a specific moment to really give it authenticity mm-hmm. you know we talk a lot about lineage on the show whether that's movement lineage uh communal lineage i'm curious for y'all are there other whether it's a tv show movie writing um where someone else like created an ode to a place with some humor probably that that feels like something that not to emulate, but that feels like akin to what y'all are doing. I remain to this day impressed with that first Friday movie because I had never laughed that hard about a neighborhood that I kind of know. I don't really know South Central as well, but I know neighborhoods like that. And they've always been played as war zones and to have something where everybody's just being silly. And, and obviously, even in that movie, there is a deadly serious sort of like character at the heart of it. And there's a deadly serious discussion about weapons and guns in that movie at the heart of it. But the thing that drives you and pulls you through the scenes you love the most, it's family. It's look at this person, what they're wearing and what are you doing that for? And I I often talk about F. Gary Gray, the director, is in a scene where somebody slips and falls and he goes, it ain't even wet over here. And (laughs) we say that line so much because we had not heard a deep West Coast accent like that. Like nobody had done a deep West Coast accent like that before F. Gary Gray in movies where we all started saying it. But that was really specific to that place. I really love Friday for what they did for South Central and just showing like, the funny, lighter side of it. And I think we definitely have followed them with, with some of the things we try to do on our show. 
But we also always wanted to do a show where the, the setting was like a character itself. One show that was talked a lot about in the early days of, of Southside coming together was Trailer Park Boys, you know? Oh my God. And yes. Yeah. yeah. And and it's hard to, you can't just pick up those characters and drop them into any city. No, like, that's right. Where they lived had such a big effect on that show. And I feel like certain people have, you know, Woody Allen or, or Spike Lee, that's that's New York City. Like, we, we felt like it was time to, you know, really do a Chicago show. And I feel like the city showed this show a lot of love because they could tell it's authentic for the people in front of the camera to the people who are writing. Yeah, it, it leads to something actually Damon and I were talking about right before, which is, you know, as he mentioned, we see so many folks who we know are part of our kind of creative an overwhelming amount of yeah. people in an episode, like <laughs> which, yeah, dozens of people that I know. <laughs> and you know, knowing folks That's who are, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but knowing folks who are you know both behind and in front of the camera, there's often this feeling here of like, I'm happy as an actor you're getting the opportunity but the thing that's being made doesn't feel reflective or connected. And your show is such like the antithesis of that, of like, yeah, Dame, do you want to talk to Jesse? So so many people I rock with have Southside as a credit and they're able to show up to it with integrity. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's super rare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a conversation what I had with an actor and I'm going to leave that actor nameless who was on our show. Um, And that is exactly what she was, she or he were saying. It was that, (laughs) uh, too late. <laughs> but at the end now of the day, we got to figure out who it is. <laughs> they were really complimenting the fact that they were able to come on and do something on our show that they have not been able to do, which is show their comedic side, as well as be in a show that is not necessarily like all of the other shows that are out on the market right now. In terms of flow of interview, I should ask this question much earlier because it's much smaller than what we've gotten. But I just have like a, a, a writer room question. Y'all have so many just like little throwaway gems. And what's the balance of like y'all having a list of silly punchlines that you make something around versus the plot bringing out this super silly little throwaway of a nugget? Every joke has to come from character or story. And when I say have to, I don't mean that if it doesn't, we go, no, no, no. If somebody walks in and goes, I got a great joke, we'll listen to it. But that that doesn't really happen. It's mostly people walk and go like, I was at the donut shop today and they, they kept giving me not enough donuts, you know, whatever that, whatever that thing is. I had to go back in three times. And then we started laughing about that stuff or, you know, something that happened to them in Chicago yeah. or something that happened to their mama. Cause you know, all of our family and friends call us all the time. I know but my mother calls me, my cousins call me. Oh, bruh. All right. I was on the red line. And then I'm now I'm bringing that into the writer room. Like you, Hey guys, here's something that happened. My mother had this pitch the other day and I was like, we got to do an episode about that. It was really good. I I don't give her enough credit uh, for her ideas or money, but you know what? That's too bad. (laughs) Uh, uh, She shouldn't be trusting her kids too much, but anyway, uh, but no, but so many ideas flow from our family and friends. And I do think that because we're so, happy to have them and also our family and friends will often end up on the show it, it, it ends up becoming kind of beautiful but definitely like most of the jokes come from like an experience somebody had and then then somebody else jumps on and takes it further and then somebody else jumps on and takes it further and then by the time it airs you almost forget where the origination is yeah. but it's always it's always there those are some of my favorite moments in the writing room is when the jokes start piling on back of each other and we get moving and taking the story forward. That is a great time. <laughs> so as we're being respectful of your time, so we, we're going to wind it down soon. But, but as we close, one, this has just been just been a blast. I'm really grateful. But uh, something that's that's clear, I've heard y'all mention, right? Like I, I'm seeing two brothers here. 
I'm seeing two homies from school. We got a set of twins. Your wife is on here. You're talking about your mother, right? Like there's a real explicit family dynamic in this production, not just the content. And so as somebody who's collaborated and worked and been in creative space with family, again, I'm a shout out the big homie, my pops, Damon Williams. Yeah. I want to look, for, you know, maybe season five. Been doing it for years. You know what I'm saying? He's he's a South Side staple. Yeah. So yep. we, I'm 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 advocating formally. I'm throwing his hands, but no, I'm joking <laughs> about that. My daddy on the show. <laughs> that what you said? <laughs> no, no. I use that as a joke to to really say like, can you talk about what it means to be in like family production and what can like communities learn about creating stuff with your people and that we you wouldn't have known before. What's cool about it is it's kind of an old thing in Hollywood. It's just not something that people talk about. You you can go back to the Osmonds. You can go to I Love Lucy. She made that show with her husband. Uh, the Wayans. But really, I was going to say the Wayans is the biggest <laughs> example because not only do we love them and, and honor them, and I think In Living Color shook up the world like no other yeah. TV show. How about this? They beat the Super Bowl, which they nobody sure did. did. Halftime show. They did it so good that the next year they got Michael Jackson. Uh, because <laughs> Keenan Ivory Wayans' halftime show was the most watched thing on television that night. So, and then Diallo had the great fortune of being on a show with Marlon Wayans, who we still work with to this day. So we always were very able to look at people who had done it the right way with their families and go, oh, that works. The family thing works. So for us, as we started making this show, it's kind of what we had said earlier, where it's like, you get all these people say, oh, you know, you should have this actor, you should have that actor. Oh, this person just had a great set at UCB and blah, 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 blah. And we were just like, uh, we want we want to try to find Chicago folks. And then of those folks, a lot of us ended up being our family and friends who, who honestly, one of the best things about working with your family and friends is that the, the stakes are very, very understood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what's at yep. stake. Everybody knows nobody has a real job. <laughs> and so if this don't work out, yeah. we gotta go back to figuring out what the hell else yeah. we It's not other uh, credits, you know, it's not an extension. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that it's nice when everybody understands what's at yeah. stake. We, we can't all get broke at the same time. We can't all be broke. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta hey, man, diversify our broke. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, but all but, the eggs is in this basket. Like, it's nice to have that understanding and be like, yeah, we all we all know why we're here. We all know why this is important and we all know why we are so blessed to be able to show up on a set and and this kind of stuff and be silly like this i'm sorry one last thing for me and then we'll we'll get out of here is you know for for the two of y'all who this is has been home you know sometimes i think in making things about your space you you come to realize and you learn like the things that you misunderstood or that were based on your myopic experience but weren't like true for everyone is there anything that you've learned about the South Side that has like surprised you or changed how you think of your home through making this show now for three seasons? One of the things that I learned is that there was a need that we didn't realize existed, but there was a need from the community and from people on the South Side to not only laugh, but from their own mouth to be represented in a way differently than they have in the past. Now, that wasn't necessarily our intention to say, hey, we're going to represent Chicago in this way, but it comes across over and over and over again that they appreciate it and they love the fact and they're honored to tell people about the show and be like, this is a real look at what my city is like versus uh, we not, we don't die all the time. Not everybody's getting shot. So for me, that's the big one right there that I did not see coming, but I'm very glad that we're part of that. I'm going to piggyback on that really quickly. We spent a lot of time. We're in L.A. working on the development process and the news from Chicago was so bad that I was like, is that? My hometown, like this so because when I'm home, you know, it, it feel, doesn't feel that way. 
And then we come here and we film and, and people often ask us, you know, in, in other spaces, like, Hey, what's it like shooting on the South side? Like, is it, is it, I mean, what they're asking is, is it dangerous? Is it scary? But <laughs> yeah. I was like, the number one thing about shooting the South side is every person who passes our set really feels like uh, they should be in front of the camera. <laughs> like that's the real thing. And it's like, that's and, the biggest and danger. we do put it in front of the really camera. Really disruptive. <laughs> yeah. The South side got personality. The, 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 pro- the problem isn't the drive-bys, it's the walk-ups. Yeah. <laughs> How y'all gonna shoot the scene without me, bro? I mean, I'm from the neighborhood, man. Come on. Yeah, come on. We're shooting the scene without you because we don't know you. We haven't met. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's a process. Yeah. You gotta talk. It's it's a whole thing, sir. You know what? Yeah. 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 It's gonna stand over there. You're, you're, <laughs> we did that in, in, in yeah. One. We sure did. Uh-huh. Season one, our stepping episode, we were not yep. enough people in it. I literally <laughs> walked step up contest. and down. Y'all had I a and, dude, I walked up and down South Shore, outside South Shore. I was like, excuse me, can you step? <laughs> Come in. And there was someone, there was someone who's been waiting there waiting entire for that life question. for someone to yeah. answer. There was a woman who was like, ah, can I step? Can I step? Like, for this moment. Come on. Come on in. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, it was so dope that we got people just from the street. And then a lot ooh. of people couldn't. They were like, no. But then some people said, and they came in, they're on the episode. And like, that's what Chicago is. Chicago is like a big, small town where among the vast, there's a few knuckleheads. Don't get it wrong. There are people who definitely are not supporting the positive like you guys are. But the vast majority, I think, of people in Chicago and specifically the South Side, they're looking for ways to become your family. They're going to talk mm-hmm. about you. They're going to make jokes about you. But they also going to make you a play. And I feel like that's the yep. Chicago that I knew. And it was so nice when we got back yeah. here to be like, yeah, that's it. What the fuck is they talking about? Like, what, what, what other uh, uh, it's explicitly racist, is what Absolutely. it is. Like that's exactly. you know, and classes too, because it's very also fear fear of black poor people. No, the city is very segregated. Let's keep it hundred. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's yeah. one thing I like. We don't we don't lie about how the city. The city is segregated. There's a lot of work to be done. There's also a lot of joy, and I think that's the stuff that we found commonality in. And I think that's where the show lives is in that space where people like can come together. Well, Absolutely. I, I say again, like. As a Southsider, I thank you. As a, a Black person, as a Chicagoan, I thank y'all. As somebody who knows and is connected to actors and a lot of theater workers and writers, I thank y'all. Particularly as a child of Black comedy, you know, like mm-hmm. it's beautiful to see the, the homies like Lil Rail and Dion yes. in the show. But but y'all got damn fool in episodes of Just Me. Right? And like <laughs> yeah. there's been a there's been a collapse of portals for yeah, for black comedy for real you know yeah like, comic view ain't here no more def jam ain't here no more the the, the, the platforms right. there's really been a stigma for black chicago comedians that we have to leave yeah, right? yeah. to to, to i mean it's true succeed, though you know and so to see folks from the crib be on a globally critically acclaimed masterpiece it's just it just warms my heart so i, I thank y'all again thanks well thanks and, for having and, us guys and, and, yeah y'all, Man, y'all appreciate it. so much praise appreciate you thank you so much bye guys peace Take y'all care.